Dig. And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, hello and welcome to HR After Hours podcast, the only HR podcast to get kicked out of a Barry Manilow concert for stage diving. I'm sorry, the guy jams. I couldn't help myself. Hannah Hampton, H squared, my sister from another mister. How are you doing today? I am great, you know, just uh, hanging in there. I feel like this is the time of year that's always a little tough. No holidays, winter still in effect, but heading into spring, which is not even better weather where I am. So it's just like that. This is a long slog to summer. <laughs> basically said it every way without just coming out and saying it's spring fever season. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's a little earlier this year. Tired, burnout, and I figured it out. I got spring fever. One of the things I do to help me get through my spring fever is I book my spring vacation. Even if it's not until, let's say, the very end of March or mid-April, I now have that to look forward to. So it's almost I'm like, laughing. what I mean, release on the way. Yeah, I'm laughing because prior to us recording, we did talk about our plans and it just made me laugh because you allude to it, but it's, you got you got the plan. I just had to do it. And you've seen, you know, I do the same thing typically at least once a year in Southern California, there's I like to stay close to the beach, not on the beach because I need a house where my dog can go, fenced in yard and a pool. And all I do is hang out by the pool and do a little shopping. That's it. I, I swear I book the same house every time, but it's not the same house. They're the, they're just clones of each other because I need well, the exact same thing. That's not a surprise, but I am predictable sometimes yes yes well yes, no I not am. you i meant the houses like there's oh, okay. cookie cutter houses out there like that would no, be a whole right. other podcast i'll bitch about real estate to you <laughs> you know i'll edit out the part where you hurt my feelings so that's fine speaking of <laughs> no, i literally meant cookie cutter houses like i don't <laughs> i'm not a fan uh yeah go on i'm sorry <laughs> oh speaking of spring fever mm-hmm. uh, here's the story that I mean, I think we already knew this was coming it was a little while ago. February 17th, here's an article by Catherine Mayer. It's actually in the Sherm newsletter. And oh. the article is, Disney employees push back against return to office mandate. It's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of companies are figure, trying to figure out what they want to do, how they're going to do it. We're definitely, like we mentioned in the last episode, it, we're, the government's act actually declaring the end of the pandemic. When did, did you get the date on that, Hannah? When can I mark my calendar? Oh, I don't know. I think it's in May. A lot of employers are still kind of waffling back and forth mm-hmm. on their hybrid work model, which we've talked about, et cetera. But let's talk about Disney. And I'm going to read, just paraphrase from this article, but weeks after Walt Disney CEO Bob Iger announced he would require many of Disney's corporate employees to return to the office four days a week, thousands of them are pushing back. According to the Washington Post, roughly 2,300 Disney employees signed a petition asking Iger to reconsider the policy. Please argue that a return to the office is likely to have, quote unquote, unintended consequences that that cause long term harm to the company Mm -hmm. and will lead to forced resignations among some of the most hard to replace talent and vulnerable yeah. communities. And they also allege it will dramatically reduce productivity, output, and efficiency. I, I hear you giving some amen brothers in the background. Yeah. What, are you, what are your thoughts straight out of the bat? Well, my thoughts are that we are in a different world and I'm not even just saying like COVID specific, but just 
companies had to quickly, I call it an experiment, but they had to uh, pivot to this working from home, working remote. And the companies, obviously Disney's still around. It didn't fail. All these companies out there that did remote work pre- when they were previously in office changed to remote work and were able to do it successfully. And now the executives want to bring people back to the office and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We know that we can work remotely. We know we can do it successfully. We still want, you know, three days at home, two days at home, four days at home, whatever it might be. And they're saying no. And it's almost like, well, why? And I feel like, and here's the thing, when they talk about it'll hurt retention or, you know, some some of those strong performers, there are companies out there that are 100% remote. And this, so they can leave and join companies that will give them the flexibility they want. So why force people back into the office when these roles can successfully be done remotely. It makes no sense to me. You, you know, there is a chance you will lose employees. I know in the tech world right now, it's brutal. There's been layoffs every freaking day, but uh, there's still a lot of remote companies out there that are hiring, that want people that want you to work from home. So people who really need that when it comes to childcare, when it comes to work-life balance, when it comes to commuting, when it comes to accessibility, they're going to go where the flexibility exists. Period. (laughs) Let me read to you a memo from the Disney CEO that is his pushback to everything you just said. It's almost like we rehearse and people, we do not. The memo reads, as you've heard me say many times, creativity is the heart and soul of who we are and what we do at Disney. And in creative business like ours, Nothing can replace the ability to connect, observe, and create with peers that comes from both physically together, nor the opportunity to grow professionally by learning from leaders and mentors. Well, that might, okay, I get that. And I understand that there's a lot of creativity that happens when you collaborate, but why does that mean four days in the office? That is where I wholeheartedly agree with you, Anna. So I do think it's crazy that they're saying four days to me. That's my first take on this is that is insane. That's why I wanted to read his rebuttal every because everything you said, I completely agree with and it makes sense. His rebuttal being the importance of that physical and personal interaction in the creative process. I think two days a week is plenty yeah, because there's still there's still the the Zooms, the Teams. There's still ways for you to have those brainstorming sessions. And I get it. Like there are things that just feel good to be together in a room, hashing things out, brainstorming, throwing, you know, throwing the ball back and forth, whatever it might be. But there's no reason that you have to force people back to the office such a big percent of the time. There should be more of a flexibility, just more flexibility they'd be able to offer and not losing out on that creativity that they're pushing. So I, I still I feel like there's more wiggle room. There's more meeting people in the middle than they're currently willing to do. You know, if you really want to get your team of generating this this creative process, It's you want your people to be fresh and able to focus on these allotted scheduled times that I just think everyone comes in stronger. People aren't as 
stressed out about their child care situations. You know, this is a chance to really do do it the right way now, right? Which is the right hybrid work model. I want to. I want to see metrics. I want to understand if I Iger Iger or whatever their name is says that you know creativity. You can't be as creative. You ha- nothing replaces the ability. You know whatever being together is gonna is better for the business. But I, I want to be like, is it? I, I feel like I'd like to see a little bit more proof. Like, are there metrics to show that the that productivity was down? I I almost feel that it's about control and it's about having people butts and seats and feeling like I can control people better when they're when I see them versus when they're empowered to do work at their home. I don't know. I know I'm kind of changing gears here, but I just something just rubs me the wrong way here. I don't. Like if there was absolute proof that productivity plummeted when people started working remotely or that there was less creativity or whatever, I feel like that'd be something. But I haven't seen any numbers like that. Now, Grant, I haven't been I haven't researched and like dug for these numbers, but I feel like there would have been big red flags raised had there been big issues of that remote work. And I think like people are like, this is something that I want. Uh, this We know it can work. And it's just about controlling employees, feeling like that you can push them to do things differently, what I, I, whatever it might be, when their butts are in the seats at your location versus when they're working from the comfort of their home. So let me start with some data. There's a little something there that you don't even know how accurate you probably are. But let's look at this article again. Some HR leaders told, and we we're talking SHRM, SHRM online, that although the mandate wasn't necessarily surprising in light of more relaxed pandemic-related measures, such a policy could have the potential to backfire. That's because remote work and flexibility have been overwhelmingly popular and desired by employees after nearly three years of the practice. Mm-hmm. This attempt to reclaim authority and control over your employees risks damaging future returns, warned Ian Cook, who's vice president of people analytics at, I believe it's Visor, a Vancouver, British Columbia-based analytics firm. Then Jeff Webb, president of solution strategy at Charlotte, North Carolina-based software firm, added that since many employees have been accustomed to remote and hybrid work, a sudden shift back into the office will likely cause some portion of employees to evaluate their priorities mm-hmm. and the expectations from their employer. And then let's talk some numbers. Recent re- research also offers a warning to employers about implementing such policies. Nearly seven in 10 employees, it was actually 68%, so 6.8, said they would rather look for a new job than return to the office according Mm -hmm. to a survey of more than 1,000 remote workers by Clarify Capital. The number is even higher among Gen Z workers, 79% of whom said they would look for a new job over returning to the office. So there alone, obviously people don't want to do it. The employees have started a petition. Here's just some, some research data coming back. But here's what's hilarious to me. Weeks after the return to office mandate, Disney announced significant layoffs. The company plans to cut some 7,000 jobs. This is the second or third time that we've had companies speak of their upcoming uh, return to work policy. And then either in the same Mm -hmm. week or within a couple of weeks, then publicly declare that they're going to have 
multi, you know, layoff. So Mm -hmm. is that a threat or is it, you know, using these numbers, maybe you declare it and you'll get some of your silently being pushed out the door previous episode? Because let's talk about it. Layoffs don't, they don't happen overnight. Like decisions aren't made like, like instantaneously, right? Uh, when it comes to layoffs, they're planned. There's lots of number crunching. There's lots of decisions. Like, what can we do to cut costs? You know, I feel like there's a lot of, hey, if we force people back to the office, maybe there'll be natural attrition where we don't have to pay out severances, where we don't have to worry about offering, like, not offering COBRA, but offering, like, covering a COBRA, COBRA stipend or something of that nature. So I also wonder if that was part of the plan. All right, we know we're going to have to lay off people. The layoff is going to happen in three months. Let's force people back to the office. Let's see if we can get some natural attrition so that uh, the layoff, it's not not as big as as it needs to be. I feel like that happened at Twitter. I feel like that's happening, you know, that probably happened. Of course, I am guessing, but I I do feel like that could be or could have been part of the plan. Amazon just told employees that they uh, are going to do a three-day week turning the office starting May 1st. And Amazon just announced layoffs as well. Mm-hmm. And then this I, this I thought was interesting. It was the last company that they included uh, discussing their return to work policies. Activision Blizzard said they're going to do a three-day work week. Let me tell you. So the three companies cited in this article, mm-hmm. Activision, Amazon, and Disney, all three companies have terrible reputations to work for. Yep. Activision's had uh, harassment lawsuits. Amazon so bad that the employees put in unions in New York. And I've had firsthand experience dealing with people that have worked in upper management at Amazon. And I have friends that were entry-level and mid-level management at Disney. All of them cited terrible, terrible cultures for the Mm -hmm. employees. Very Elon Musk type of communication where we've got to give it our all, even if that means a seven-day work week. Disney is well known for their micromanagement. So very early on in your opposition to this article, you cited is it to get, you know, to be able to have more control over Mm -hmm. your team members. Absolutely. That is my belief. Absolutely. Like I I do there's a lot of things that are in corporate America that are done to keep people in their seats and to keep people in the office, to keep people working. Like I know everyone's like, Oh my gosh, like Google, Google. It's so cool. Like they have all those free food and meals. You get all your meals, you get this and that. Well, I mean, a lot of that is so that you're, you stay in the office and that you're there like, Oh, we'll give you, get your dry cleaning. And there's like we've got doctors on site we've got nap rooms whatever and it's, it's so that you stay there it's not like I don't I, I truly don't believe it's for like oh because we love you uh and I know that's really harsh to say but you but... know what it reminds me of mm-hmm. I just sent you a meme last night okay and the meme said it's not a cult it's team building. Exactly. I forgot about that, but yes, you did. <laughs> and that's all I could think of when you were just rattling off what you were saying about them. It, it's, and believe it, me, like I worked at a place 
that provided lunch and that's a great perk because uh, you're going to eat lunch at work anyways. But it's like when you have like, OK, we're going to give you breakfast, lunch and dinner. That tells me you want me in the office for 12, 13 hours versus like, hey, like it's natural to have lunch throughout during the workday. You know, I feel like it's it's it is it's just to get people to be there as long as possible. But we know we know that productivity, like the human brain can't focus. Like tw- if you're working for 12 hours, you're not productive the whole 12 hours. If anything, you're probably getting worse. Being more and more understood that working more doesn't necessarily mean better. That's why a lot of these companies are switching switching to a four-day work week. Not a four-day work week of 10 hours. It's not 40 hours. It's a 32-hour work week so that people have more time outside of work to recharge, refresh, and they will be more focused in that smaller amount of time. So I, I just feel like some of the things that in this in, in our capitalistic society, and I'm sorry to use that word, but that's where we are, capitalism, more, 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 uh, forced people, you know, tried to get people like, stay in the office, work, 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 work. We got to make our shareholders happy. Work, 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 work. Like, that's just not right. And that's not taking care of your people. This Again, this whole time when you're you're talking about the breakfast, lunch, and dinner being fed to you at the office so you don't leave. I'm thinking of this modern Disney fairy tale where the poor worker, Hannah Hampton, goes in and they're fattening her up with breakfast and she wants to go out to meet her friends (laughs) for lunch, but they go, oh no, Hannah, stay here. Today, we are going to have hibachi steak. Well, of course, Hannah can't leave when there's free hibachi steak. So they shove the fried rice and the hibachi steak down her, fattening her up. And then she's ready to go home to her family. And they're like, oh, no, Hannah, you can't leave. We're having happy hour and then sushi. And then she stays in there. And then the evil witch comes and eats her alive. So that's my modern Disney fairy tale of Hannah Hampton and the course work day um so i think we have our title of the episode the three course work day i love it lately have gone on this slight tear where it sounds like we're becoming these uh, communist advocates and we're not no. the reason we're pointing this out we want those of our listeners that have a seat at the table a chance to really look at all their options when they create the hybrid work model, or at least try to sway upper leadership to listen to reason. Remote work increase was created by a pandemic, but the people are really trying to find a way to hang on to at least part of it because it made their lives better as far as a home life balance. And those that listen to that will definitely become the employers of choice and attract the top talent. I 100% agree with that. If you really think about it, the five-day work week, how we're working today, was created in a different time. A lot of times, there the man went to work, the woman was at home, taking care of the children, taking care of the home, doing this and that. Those days are gone. Of course, there are still some families that work that way, but for the most part, most uh, households everybody's working. They're at school or they're working, right? So we need to be able to look at our, like handle our lives differently. And that also includes how we work and how that contributes to our lives. And, you know, when people are at the end of their lives, 
they never say, oh, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have spent more time at the office. So think about all the things that they wanted to do with their family, with the people that they loved. The pandemic really opened your eyes to that. Like, hey, my, this is my one life. Life is short. While I definitely need to survive and need to make money, my life is not revolved around work. Work should be there to support your life. You shouldn't be living to support work. So I know it's easier said than done, but I really hope that more companies help create this world where people are able to have good lives, enjoy their one life, their one take, one one spin on this earth. So that's what I want. I want people to have better, more fulfilled, mindful lives, period. (laughs) When you're sitting at the table and you're pleading all these things uh, to create the right balance, Hannah could not have nailed it more. You know, we really do want to work to live, not live to work. But what the employer has to realize, one of the biggest shifts is it's not just that the the workforce has come accustomed to this and loves it. This is the first time that the workforce has learned to live off less Mm -hmm. and what's important to them. They are really putting enough value into that that you no longer can just make the salary high enough to get the person you want. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a segment of the market that exists that's solely there to get as much as they can and work as hard as they can and hopefully retire early. So you're, there are going to be people out there that are willing to do that. It, it doesn't mean those are the right people for you or the most talented people in the workforce. Ultimately, it should just be a win-win. You're going to find the right people that are going to appreciate this partnership with you and the flexibility, and you're going to get a strong performance. You're going to mm-hmm. get the right talent, and they're going to give you more because they are actually grateful because they feel like there's a partnership and that you've heard them. And ultimately, what do we want to do, Hannah? We want to keep the human and human resources. Well said. Well, hey, Hannah, I am real excited that we have a new sponsor. I want you to tell me a little bit and our listeners about our new sponsor, Yogi Raw Life. All right. So Yogi Raw Life is a cork yoga mat company. The brand was started from their love of yoga and renewable resources. They said they're here to inspire healthier communities by creating superior cork yoga mats that are socially and environmentally conscious functional, and fashionable. And they do have a special uh, for HR After Hours listeners, 10% off by using the coupon code HRYOGI, that's H-R-Y-O-G-I, and that's for 10% off your order. And you can order the mats at yogirawlife.com, that's Y-O-G-I-R-A-W-L-I-F-E.com. So Yogi Raw Life for a quality cork yoga mat. Awesome. Well, welcome to the HR After Hours team, Yogi Raw Life. And Hannah, you have a successful day. You too.